This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. I found myself coasting through life feeling unfulfilled and deep inside I knew there was more to me than I was living. I went looking for answers and I found them by listening to inspiring people and having meaningful conversations. That is what we will do here for you. Whatever you are looking for, I am glad you are here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. Today's episode is being brought to you by Prairie Laser Inc. and Toner, located in the beautiful community of Stonebridge in Saskatoon. Ink and toner is an everyday essential for both business and home use. Prairie Laser Ink and Toner carries the largest number of brand name and compatible ink toner products in Saskatchewan. They can supply all your printing products with next day delivery to your business or home office during COVID. As a business owner myself, I always appreciate such personable service, especially when it saves me time. Prairie Laser Ink and Toner Supply is a family owned and operated Saskatoon business. They put customer service first, guarantee quality products, and will match any competitor's price in Saskatchewan. Support local and contact them today at 306-668-0070 or visit their website at prairielaser.com for a free quote or to place your order. This is episode 014. A candid conversation about life, business, and managing it all with the founder and CEO of Hilberg & Burke, Rachel Milkey. Steve Jobs once said, I am convinced that about half of what separates successful entrepreneurs from non-successful ones is pure perseverance. Today it is my pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with a true entrepreneur. She is a Saskatchewan leader with an incredible story of purpose, courage, and persistence. In her early 20s, she began making affordable jewelry for herself because she wasn't accustomed to having nice things. Once she put it on, she found it made her feel special, and she wanted to give that same feeling to other women. Over time, her passion for design combined with her entrepreneurial spirit, and her company evolved into the Hilberg & Burke success story that it is today. In this candid interview, we talk about everything from how her company started, why branding is important, how entrepreneurs often have a lot in common, and why you should be brave to follow that passion that lives in your heart. 
We touch on both success and failure, the balancing act of home and work life, and much more. If you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, or a person looking to be inspired to follow a dream, you are going to love this conversation. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Your story inspires me. You inspire me, quite frankly, and I'm so excited that we all have a chance to get to know you better. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. It's my pleasure. It's great to be here. I would really like to start right at the beginning. So could you maybe tell us the story about how and perhaps why Hilberg and Burke started? Well, I think that part of it was just, it was in my blood to an extent. So I grew up in a family, um, an entrepreneurial family. My parents were entrepreneurs and both grandparents on both sides of my family were entrepreneurs. So growing up, that was just normal. So in my, the back of my mind, I, I sort of knew one day I would start a business. Um, and also at the same time, I was a, a very creative kid and, and creativity ran in my family. It wasn't until much later on in life that I found out um, after my grandma had passed on on my dad's side that she ran a general store and she used to get Vogue magazine and would find the, the her favorite dresses in Vogue magazine and try and emulate those patterns for dresses for my aunties. And in this very small dusty community of maybe 20 people in Southern Saskatchewan, my, my aunts wore these fabulous dresses that looked like they came out of Vogue. So I think there was this long line of creativity and fashion and passion for design that ran in my family. Um, but, you know, those were all things that I, I wasn't quite aware of as a child. It wasn't until later on in life that I started to, once I was out of university and I, I knew I wanted to um, start my own business, but I just didn't know what to do, that I started making jewelry and I truly found a passion for design and for creating things. But at the time, you know, I was, uh, you know, early 20s and in Saskatchewan, there wasn't much of a fashion scene at the time. I didn't think it was realistic that I could launch a fashion-based jewelry company from Saskatchewan. And it wasn't until I had some encouragement from some of my girlfriends to pursue this that I actually thought, well, maybe I could do this from Saskatchewan. And that was the birth of my first brand in 2005, Urban Pearl Accessories, where um, I launched at a three-day women's convention. And that was really the catalyst for everything that happened because at that convention, it opened my eyes to the possibility of being able to do this and creating some success from doing it. And so, you know, ultimately that just um, kick-started my desire to want to build this and my belief that I could build it. Eventually, um, a couple of years later, I rebranded as Hilberg and Burke Accessories, um, believing that I could really, at that point, take it forward and grow it. And, um, and that's kind of really how it all started. Really interesting and, you know, truly inspiring, Rachel, because to me, I think there's a whole lot of people out there that have an idea and don't act on it because they're really thinking, I don't know, it probably can't fly. Like they've got limitations in their own mind as to what's possible. What made you go for it anyway? I mean, I know there was some inspiration and it was just there, but you obviously had to have the courage and something behind you that said, just do it, just go for it anyway. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. You know, so many people over the years have tried to measure what it, what is it that makes a business successful because so many businesses don't succeed. And I think that there just needs to be a combination of, of a few key things that really need to come together at the right time. And one of those things is just the passion of the entrepreneur, the opportunity that presents itself, the timing in the market. And, and if all of those things are aligned, then, then, 
you have to take the risk and go for it. And most entrepreneurs have to try things a couple of times and maybe even fail before something clicks, before it works, before they find the right um, product or service or, or way to deliver it. Uh, so I would say if it, you know, for people listening, if you are passionate about something, if you really want to bring an idea, a product to market, um, if there is enough desire to do it from the entrepreneur, I think the creativity behind that desire will always find its way to, to make um, the product succeed in some way or another, even if initially, uh, you know, the idea doesn't per come to market the way you thought it was. And, and I'm sure we'll get into, you know, Hilberg and Burke has taken a lot of different turns along the journey. Um, you know, it's, I think it's that, in, that initial passion and that desire to, to bring a great idea to market that truly is one of the main drivers for success in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And you have to have courage, right? And I like how you've said, maybe we need to rethink how we look at failure, so to speak, and not be so afraid of it so important you know there's such a stigma around failure and failure is truly just learning opportunities in disguise i don't think it should be called failure it is really just learning and one of the things we talk about at h&b is that you have to fail forward but you have to try you have to put yourself out there and try and risk new things and not all of them are going to work out so it's always been important to me to cultivate a culture that allows people to take risks and to fail. And I mean, at different stages of my business, the risks were have been larger and they've been smaller. And, and right now is not a time that um, a lot of businesses can take as many risks because there's so much so much uncertainty in the market. And you have to you do have to kind of continue to weigh weigh what the risk you know, ability, what your ability for, um, for taking risks in your business really, um, is, but I think that having innovation and, and what innovation can bring to your business as, as a core element of business is always critical. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So much in what you've said there. I really love all of that. Okay. So your company has evolved. So Hilberg and Burke, when it first started, can you, can you tell us about the rebranding process? How did you even get the name? I, I even love that because it's very unique. So, yeah, when I first started, I was I was not even 25 yet. And I, I called my first business Urban Pearl Accessories and um, having a marketing background for a number of reasons over the next couple of years, I realized that I needed to rebrand um, and just, uh, I guess, open up the opportunity in case we we weren't just women's jewelry or weren't just, weren't just jewelry, wanted to open up to more accessories or do more things with the brand eventually down the road that I needed to pick a name that was more reflective of, of opening the opportunity for us to do that, um, which Urban Pearl didn't allow. And so, um, yeah, when it can be pretty overwhelming to choose a name because that's something that's going to stay with your business forever. So I, I sort of approached it lightheartedly. I sat down with one of my best friends. I think we might've had a glass or two of wine and we just started <laughs> writing down names that were important to me. And we had a whole list of, of potential names that came out of that um, conversation. And then I took, I think maybe the top few and I floated it past um, a group of trusted people that I had in my life. Some people in marketing and branding, other people that I just knew were like key customers. And I got their feedback and the, the clear winner at the end was Hilberg and Burke. It just resonated with most people as sounding like the right name. And that was a combination of my great grandmother, Hilda Bergman, which also um, after she passed away, I found out that she had made jewelry in her life, which was just so cool. Um, and my dog, Berkeley. 
and <laughs> need put them together so personal so okay you've mentioned a lot of things here and for entrepreneurs that are out there how important is the brand so you felt a need to rebrand why did you feel like you needed to rebrand and how important is a brand overall like to succeed as an entrepreneur Brands are really critical. And I felt the need to rebrand because I was a little bit worried that our initial name, Urban Pearl, had boxed us too much into just women's jewelry. The other thing I realized that as I started to build the business and travel internationally and look for partnerships internationally that would be able to um, manufacture some of, of the products that we were making, I really ran into a lot of roadblocks. People did not um, take want to take me seriously as a young woman. They didn't believe in the ability for me to scale my business, for them to, um, you know, put trust in, in us to be able to like grow our partnership and relationship together. So I took a step back and realized, you know, somehow I have to present a more, more serious um, brand, uh, not only to like to our customers and, and, you know, consider that, but also to our, to our vendors. And so that was one of the reasons too, that I decided that I needed to rebrand. And also I was thinking about the future. Um, was, was Urban Pearl Accessories the right brand to take us into the future? It was really that, that turning point as I um, contemplated a rebrand that I was uh, also deciding to leave my job and, and to pursue this full time. So it was at the same time that, you know, I was reflecting on, all right, if this is something that I'm going to stake my entire my career and my livelihood on, it needs to be the right brand. It needs to reflect the vision that I have for this company. And at the time, I really believed that I could take this and to turn it into something um, quite special. And my plan was to really start scaling. So those were the reasons um, behind why I decided to rebrand the business. Mm hmm. Okay. And branding, I think now just to kind of pull it together, branding is about what you represent overall. Is that really what it is? Like if you could put into a sentence or two, you know, what a brand is, what is what the purpose of a brand is, what would you say to entrepreneurs? I mean, when you close your eyes and you think about your favorite brand, it's not just the logo that pops up. You might think about, I mean, I think about one of my favorite clothing stores to go to in Regina. I just, when I think about their brand, it's not just their name and what the name conjures up. It's the, the environment that you go into. It's the customer service. It's the products that they sell. It's the feeling that you get. It is, um, it, it kind of reflects you to an extent too. So brand is everything that, that you I guess that you stand for as a business, but also it, it encompasses kind of every part of your company. So, so the brand is at the heart of your business. It really truly filters out into everything that a business becomes. And it likely guides you as well, you know, with all of your decisions about what should I do? What should I not do is the customer experience of that brand. What is it that you want them to get? And I can tell you with all honestly, honesty, Rachel, I have many pieces of your jewelry Every time I wear them, I feel beautiful. I feel like I sparkle. I feel empowered, which I know is a part of your brand. It's even, I'm even wearing it in the image that's it's on the cover of my book. I wear your jewelry constantly and your brand is very strong that way. It really does make me feel special. Well, thank you very much. And I think that it's such an honor to hear that. We hear that quite often from our, our customers and um, you know, it's one thing to have a vision for a brand and to start the work to build it, but to actually get to the point where customers tell you that it's, it's pretty powerful. And 
I would say that, you know, although I have had a vision and we've had a team that has created a strong vision for what our brand could be, um, to a big extent, our customers have owned it themselves and made it their own. And that has been very special to watch. So just like you, you know, it's, um, you've kind of made it your own and it's your symbol of, of empowerment. It's your symbol of something that you put on to feel special and, and to probably recognize achievements that you've gotten in your life. And that to me, that is the most incredible compliment. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. And I sincerely mean it. A little while ago, I heard this statement, um, entrepreneurs are problem solvers. And this relates to branding because a lot of times when you're developing a company, you are going out there to solve a problem for someone. You're providing something. Now, would you agree that that is a true statement? I only just heard that the other day and I just thought it was a really powerful, powerful summary of what an entrepreneur really does. And it's like, we can think about what problem do we solve? And that might relate to a brand as well. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think this is a really important um, thing for people to consider, especially when they're getting into business is you really do have to differentiate and you don't just differentiate with your brand, you differentiate with your experience. And if you're not different, then you're not bringing a unique value proposition to the market for people. And so absolutely, um, I think at the heart of every successful entrepreneur is somebody who truly knows how to solve really challenging problems in creative ways. So whatever that might be, I mean, in the world of Hilberg and Burke, as an example, how could we relate that, like that you solve a problem? Well, you know, it's interesting. I can't remember if I heard this on a podcast or, or where exactly I heard this, but um, I heard it related to McDonald's. McDonald's was trying to um, create more sales for their milkshakes. And so they asked themselves, what what um what jobs what job does a milkshake have to do in people's lives and what they had somebody do was just stand outside of mcdonald's stores and ask them when they came in why are you going in to buy a milkshake and what they realized was that most people who bought milkshakes were doing so because they wanted a drink that um, really gave them something to enjoy for a long period of time and so i think that you know for us we're we're always asking ourselves this question what you know we're making jewelry but what what does our product, what job is it doing in people's lives? What is it trying to solve in people's lives that they're coming into our store? And I think that, you know, asking that question has helped us peel back um, and uncover uh, new ways to deliver our products and services to customers, um, a new way to think about our brand, um, new customers kind of within our segment. And it's helped us to be able to, I think, continue to offer better products um, in new ways um, understand our customer deeper. Um, when, when you truly try and get in the mind of, of your consumers who are coming into your store and understand what is their life like and why are they coming in to buy your product, you can meet them at a different place and provide them things that are even more meaningful to them um, in the right way at the right time. And uh, so, yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's so true. I like how you've said dive deeper into the minds and the hearts and what are people really looking for? That's the problem, so to speak, right? And I can honestly tell you because I come from a place of not having nice things as a young girl. And as I get older, I mean, maybe I can't, you know, buy diamonds or, you know, have really, 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 really high end, like expensive jewelry store jewelry. I don't even know. I've never even looked. Perhaps I can, but 
somehow when I go into Hilberg and Burke, I feel like I'm buying myself something really special and treating myself. And every time I wear it, I just feel great. <laughs> I really do. So it, it's now become every day. I wear them every day. I have my silver sparkle balls that I wear every single day, even if I'm at home. So you're doing a great job with the mission. Thank you. And I feel like you have just summed up exactly what we're trying to do. Like we are trying to create products that are for women to wear every day, but to make them feel incredibly special doing that. So, I mean, again, it, that's just a, it's a really um, tremendous compliment. I really appreciate that because we, we don't want to be just a, a store known for products that you just pull out on a special occasion. We want to make things that are for your everyday life and it, they really elevate your everyday life. Mm -hmm. This is all just so fascinating to me because as people are out there, like anyone in the audience that's listening to this conversation and perhaps you've got this dream or this product that you'd like to come to reality, just think about, you know, how could, what does this person need? What can your product do that can help someone? What makes you special? And I think authenticity really comes in here. Don't try to be something else. Just be the best you and come from the right place and the right spirit of intent. I think that's really what you're talking about here. And I, I really appreciate that. So as your company grew, did the purpose behind it evolve as well? Because of course, there's many changes, many things that will shift as you're growing. Did the purpose remain the same or did it evolve as well? It has certainly evolved. So when I first started, um, you know, I was quite involved in in different events and charities that went on in the community but i wouldn't say that hilberg and burke at the outset had the the strong purpose statements that we do today um however what i saw was and what i i guess i knew in my heart ultimately was that i would i wouldn't just be able to start a business and and kind of create profit and have that be everything like to me it had to be so much more meaningful than just creating profit in order to make me passionate about what we were doing. And so from early days, um, you know, I, I think that um, I was driven by supporting different organizations and different charities locally. And I saw the impact of what that did in our community. And I had close relationships with people in Regina who um, started fundraisers, started events in different organizations. And again, I could see the direct impact that um, supporting an organization or supporting a fundraiser would have in our community. And that was early fuel to definitely help um, cultivate ideas that Hilberg and Burke would eventually like really le lean into. And then after Dragon's Den and I got an investment from Brett Wilson, he was a real a strong mentor on the purpose side of Hilberg and Burke. Um, he's always believed that had, having a triple bottom line was the right way to run a business. And so he, as we started to develop the purpose side of our company more and really lean into that, and for many years really prioritize purpose work and spending around purpose, um, even you know to an extent of really sacrificing profits a lot of times because i believe that that was the right way to grow our business and ultimately that would grow stronger relationships with our customers in the long run he was always supportive of that so i think that i always um i was a bit lucky in that regard of having a business partner who not only believed in that but always strongly supported that and and i also just think that it's the right way to do business and i think that if there's one like great thing that comes out of um, the things that are happening in the world right now is that I, I hope that a lot of people will think about how they run their business differently. You know, how can we drive um, great social change in the world 
while still creating profit and still um, selling products that people need anyways, because it's totally possible to do that. And I think that in a world where entrepreneurs think like that, um, we've really taken a great leap ahead. Hmm. So many things there. I, I'm actually taking notes, just so you know, as we're talking, which probably other people are as well. I train purpose all the time. I teach purpose. Everything to me is about the foundation of purpose. There's a purpose behind everything. And, you know, choosing that intention every single day with every activity is something that I just really focus hard on. And for some reason, I missed creating a purpose statement of my company. So thank you for that. You reminded me I have a life purpose statement, but yet, I don't have a purpose statement for my business. So thank you for that. Um, if um, I'll you... maybe just make a comment about that. If there's one thing that I learned is it does take time. I know that, you know, I felt a lot of pressure for many years that I didn't have like a very clearly articulated purpose statement. And what I've learned is that, you know, it takes time to fully, I guess, understand, probably understand yourself as a person and ensure that there is that authentic connection back to purpose. It really does need to come from the deepest part of your heart and be true to who you are. And, um, and that sometimes takes time to dive into, and, and it could be work you're doing on your own, but quite often it's work you do in collaboration with other professionals who can help pull that out of you. And um, so maybe a piece of just like guidance would be don't put too much pressure, allow it to evolve. And I remember reading a book several years ago that said, as you're creating your values for your company, don't carve them in stone and put them up on the wall day one. Create them and let them resonate with your company for a year just to ensure that they're right. And um, I really thought that that was great guidance. And I think it's the same with whether it's your values or your purpose statement. Don't don't be too um, hard on yourself that you think it needs to be perfect right on the, off the bat. You know, let it evolve. Give it time. Make sure that it really feels true and genuine to who you are um, deep down. And then, and then once you feel like you've got a, a good draft of them, just let them sit and resonate with you or with your culture for a period of time before you sort of like etch them in stone. Hmm. Thank you. I feel like you just gave us all permission, all of us out there who are really just trying to build and get things done. And you feel like you have one more thing to do that writing a purpose statement or a value system, it, it, it takes time and it's okay if you don't have it right now. So thanks for that. Hey everyone, are you missing motivation? Do you have a project you know you should do, but you can't seem to get inspired to do it? Are you missing that something that gives you energy to get up and add it in the morning? Or have you found yourself in a new space and are trying to figure out how to restart? Over the past 26 years as an entrepreneur, I have learned a powerful system that works for me to find my self-motivation to set and achieve my goals, and I want to share it with you. My new course is called Seven Steps to Self-Motivation and Success, and it's being offered right now for a massive discount. Go check it out at www.corliss.ca backslash shop backslash seven steps. That's the number seven. Here it is again, www.corliss.ca backslash S-H-O-P backslash seven S-T-E-P-S. You'll be so glad you did. 
Now, may I ask you to share just a little bit about the Dragon's Den experience and what you learned from that. Now, I have a specific reason why I'm asking this, because I think sometimes when you're an entrepreneur and you're just doing everything you can to learn everything that you need to know and build your company and grow your brand and doing all of those things, I think sometimes we can misunderstand that ex that opportunities like Dragon's Den are how someone became successful. And I don't I think it might have helped you in that in that regard. However, it's not the only answer and you don't actually have to have that. Is that true or can you just tell us about that experience and what you think it did for you and what you learned? There are so many incredible things that came out of that experience and I think um for for me in particular it was uh, such a great experience. I know not every deal that came out of the Dragon's Den was um, was successful or got closed or there, I think there were, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of not great stories, but for me in particular, it was a wonderful experience. And I guess what I realized through that, that really solidified my belief is that when you're starting, you have to throw a lot of things at the wall and see what sticks. And that experience was certainly one of them. I had no idea what I was really getting myself into what I when I auditioned for Dragon's Den. And, um, you know, just in terms of the amount of prep work, um, how, how actually intimidating the experience was, um, the vulnerability of being on national television, um, the outcome, it all worked out really well, but there was a lot of risks, I guess, going into it that I might have been a little bit more naive to than um, I realized at the time. And it, it really worked out. But I think you have to open yourself up to those opportunities and you have to be willing to take the risk. And sometimes things are going to work out, but most of the time they don't. And that is okay because it repositions you on your path and it teaches you something and it builds resilience that you are going to need down the road as you continue on your entrepreneurial journey. Um, so those, a lot of those lessons were really solidified through Dragon's Den. Um, when I pitched, I didn't get a deal at first and, and I do tell the story when I speak, but um, probably most people don't know. Uh, I, got, I got turned down because my ask was too, too aggressive, it was too high. And the show's premises, you have to get everything that you ask for. Um, you can't get a lower valuation. You have to get the full money that you've asked for. Um, so I, I didn't get the deal originally. I ended up going back to my hotel room. I was out of the CBC studio and everything. And fortunately, they called me back and let me retape and, and, and lower my ask. Um, but that was the first and the last time that ever happened. So I just happened to get very lucky. But I, that day, it almost ended up that I didn't get a deal. And, you know, it would have turned out very differently. And I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that somehow I would have figured out getting to where I am. Maybe it would have taken longer. Maybe I would have gotten a different investor. I don't know. But I just think that you get these opportunities. And if you take them, sometimes you're lucky. But sometimes you also learn great life lessons that just are equally as valuable. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's inspiring. Okay, so the mass is not going to get a deal like that or get an opportunity like that. Do people need that to succeed, Rachel? Like, is it, do they need something like that to land on them or is it possible to succeed without something like that? Well, I'd like to speak to that a few different ways. Um, first of all, what is important is cash and cash flow. So from the perspective of, do you need the cash or cash flow to be successful? 
you do need strong cash flow. You do need cash. And so maybe if you have that money going into your business, then you don't need Dragon's Den. But I didn't have cash. I had I had debt. Um, and so for me, getting that cash was pretty important, um, whether it was Dragon's Den or not. Um, at the time, getting the exposure because the television show was so popular. So getting, you know, um, the repeats over and over again was really, really helpful for Hilberg and Burke. And we were able to utilize that and leverage off of it for many years afterwards. Um, but I do think that, you know, you can find your own way. If Dragon's Den hadn't worked out for me, if I hadn't got the deal or I hadn't gone on it, then you know there i would have found a new way to do it so i think it's it's more important that you know it's not necessarily a one opportunity that makes or breaks it's the entrepreneur who is constantly looking for um the opportunities to to further push their business forward and is willing to have a few failures along the way of those those trials to eventually have something that does work out Mm-hmm. You said two really big key things there to me anyway that I've taken away is what's most important is cash flow. And I mean, your your journey, your story involves a dragon's den. But I think the lesson in this for all of us is, is to understand the cash flow and that that's important in business. And you also said something about leverage, being able to leverage the media. I mean, our world is evolving so quickly. We're our, we are our own media channels in a lot of ways because we all have social media, right? So I think there's two things, two things that you said there that even though someone else's story might be different than yours, you can, you can still leverage it and you can still learn or understand or generate cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a really, really important point is um, the world is so different today than when I was getting started. And in a lot of ways, it is uh, to such a benefit to entrepreneurs, because you are your own media source. Um, Whereas when I was getting started, social media didn't exist. And you really had to cultivate relationships with the national magazines and, and newspapers to get media attention. And now it's different, although you really have to fight for eyes on your social media channel, you can really curate and cultivate your own content, and truly build a following and become um, a brand that people know globally, uh, just through your own your own channels. So it's a, it's an interesting and very exciting time for startups, and it presents a lot of opportunities that I think potentially didn't exist, um, especially in fashion, this fashion and jewelry specific specific space. Um, when I was getting started. Mm-hmm. Very exciting, new opportunities all the time, constantly evolving, right? All right, Rachel, so we're talking a, a lot about cash flow here, and I think there's a lot of people, and we're talking about brand too and problem solving, and I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that genuinely want to help people solve problems. They want to build a business, which of course means they need the cash flow. And for someone who is genuinely service-based, like they're coming from that place of service when in developing their business, sometimes there can be a disconnect between is it okay to profit off of something that I just really want to do and the purpose behind, you know, why I'm doing this business. Can you just kind of speak to that a little bit? Cause you and I had a conversation about this a while back and it really impacted me to kind of understand the value of my time in the service industry. For sure. I, first of all, I want to say it's pretty normal to have this feeling. I think at some point, most entrepreneurs feel this like, Oh my gosh, am I charging too much? 
Um, is this the right price? Is this a fair price? I really love what I'm doing. Um, all those things I think are pretty normal thoughts. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, if I kind of go back to what we had talked about the last time we chatted about this, it's, you know, if you don't have a business, if you're not charging effectively um, for your time, for your service or your product, you won't have a business, you won't be sustainable, you won't have enough profits at the end of the year to be able to reinvest to, um, to, to grow your business. So if you truly believe in what you're doing, if you think you're bringing value, if you are passionate about what you can do for the world with your product or service, you have to charge properly for it and you can you can sometimes it's hard to understand what is charging properly for it so i think that you have to sort of like go out and talk to different people and try and get a little bit of insight and maybe you have to talk to an accountant or maybe you have to like just really get a deep understanding of all of your costs and what your profit margin is but at the end of the day it's it is really important to charge profit properly and make a profit as a business um, because profits are ultimately what keep you in business. And um, yeah, so I think that that's a, a really important thing to talk about that maybe we don't talk about often enough. Mm -hmm. And putting a, a, a price tag on your time. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think women in particular, we have a tendency to give up our time a lot, you know, and undervalue ourselves. So you, could you just speak a little bit to that? Certainly. I mean, I know that I am guilty of this sometimes too. And, you know, I, I heard a speaker talk when I, before I started my business, I worked for an organization, West Women Entrepreneurs of Saskatchewan, and I had the opportunity to hear, hear a lot of really phenomenal um, people talk about business and what makes businesses successful. And I remember one of the speakers, his name was Phil Simchich, talking about how he valued his time. And I remember thinking at the time that whatever he said it was, the number was sounded outrageous. But then I started thinking about that and I thought, you know, if I was to value my time at $1,000 an hour or something like that, how would I, how would I work differently? You know, what things would I choose to focus on? What would I do? What would I not do? And that was a really, really important like piece of advice that I, I really thought deeply about and followed early on because it allowed me to make critical choices that I think really helped scale, scale the business in the beginning. And I also thought about how do I better scale my time? And so even kind of still to this day, to me, it's really important that I do find a way to give back, to mentor, to help, help women who do have questions. And I think about how can I best manage my time so that I'm not taking away from, you know, the valuable time that I have with my family so that I'm not completely robbing myself of all of my personal self-care time. Um, you know, it's, it's a balance between between all of those things. And I, and I think that quite often for me, self-care has been the first thing to go. Um, so I try and kind of come back to that concept of, you know, if you were to put a, a really high number on your, your hours, um, how would you spend your time maybe a little bit differently? How would you prioritize things differently and, and maybe be a little bit more efficient with your time? Um, I know that's a, been a guiding principle for me anyways, that I think has helped, helped to get me where I am today. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's awesome. So we all go ahead and we put like a high value on our time and that's how we know what to trade it for, I suppose. Okay, so we're talking about time and I'm guessing that this is going to flow right perfectly because my next question is about the beginning of being a solopreneur. So when we most, I mean, most of us, when we start out, we're not really, well, we're an entrepreneur, but we're a solopreneur. We don't really have a team. We're trying to do everything. How did you develop a team to be able to scale your business? Well, there's a few different ways to answer that question. So I'll, I'll maybe 
try and attack it from a couple of different angles. I think the first thing that I, I did that I think is really important is to recognize what are you good at and what are you passionate about? Because the things that you're not good at and not passionate about should be the first things that you take off your plate. And so that's sort of how I thought first when I was like, okay, what roles are critical? What roles am I not passionate about? And then how do I start building my team? That's kind of how I thought that that's the mechanics of it. But then on the actual like culture side of it, to me, it was really important that our team from the outset and today is passionate about the work that we do. And when I say the work we do, I don't just mean building jewelry and selling jewelry, but what are we trying to do in the world? You know, the greater good, the greater purpose of our brand. It's about so much more than just bringing a product to market. It is about trying to take a company and create social change, do good in the world with it. So still to this day, we interview on values, um, values of the company, and we ensure that every person that we are bringing into the business is values aligned to the work that we are trying to do as an organization. And so that has really helped guide. Um, and it, again, it hasn't, that hasn't been from day one. I didn't have like clearly articulated values from day one. It has evolved, but I, I would say that intrinsically at a gut check level from the outset, from the very first person I brought into the business, I, I knew that I had to bring people who had similar values to me into the company. And the only way we would be able to work effectively together and do the work that I envisioned that Hilberg and Burke would do is if there was that alignment to values. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know it, you find somebody who does and pull on their skills. So you use your skills, what you're good at, and then you find other people who have skills that you're for the things that you're not good at. And then also everybody that comes in kind of sharing the common value system and creating the culture and, and share the purpose and are passionate about it as well. So note, 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 I got that. That's brilliant feedback and, and uh, wisdom there. Now there's challenges as entrepreneurs, obviously. I mean, especially right now we're, we're in COVID. So let's talk about the challenges that you've managed over the years and how you face them and especially like now is a good ex a good time for us to talk about this because people are having to pivot their business through covid so you want to talk about how you manage challenge you know what i've learned is um to not let the highs kind of you know get you too high and not let the lows drag you down too low you really have to find a middle balance and that's really something that i've i really have found that you have to live it to actually have it be true um so although it's been a philosophy from the outset you have to kind of go through things to in order for it to truly resonate and to become a, a true truly entrenched philosophy um so although this is challenging what we're going through um i guess because of you know having navigated many many things in my personal life in my business career um it was kind of like you know i spent a couple of days warning you know the the loss of everything we had worked to this point to build and and coming to terms with the fact that there was going to have to be a new normal but i think that you know it seems to be um the short it's a shorter like i guess maybe emotional process for me now that i've been in business for a while and i i do think that it is helpful as entrepreneurs to just know that there's going to be wonderful things that come along the way and there's going to be a lot of challenges and to try and take them both in stride to an extent. Mm -hmm. 
I often talk about a lot of times I think we play we're on the emotional roller coaster and I call it the entrepreneur roller coaster because it's like the highs are way up here and then it goes down and like you got to pull yourself out of that and it's like this emotional roller coaster so your advice is really quite brilliant to just enjoy the the high and recognize that the low is going to be there and to just become more consistent and maybe less affected by it is that what you're saying absolutely it's just that you know you have to sort of recognize that there's going to be like incredible peaks and valleys and and try and just take it all in stride as it comes because it's it's pretty easy to get caught up in all of the exciting things um but there's going to be a lot of challenges along the way too so it's just finding that middle ground to balance you out between both the highs and the lows Mm-hmm. Would you be able to share, just because I feel like this is a, my chance to pick Rachel's brain, <laughs> what are some of the biggest highlights? So you've had lots of highs, you've probably had lots of lows, we're talking about that. So could you share like some of the big highlights? I'd love to hear. Well, there's certainly been a lot along the way. And um, if I was to pull out a couple of the most memorable moments along the journey, um, I, I think the first one would probably be opening our very first store in Regina. Um, that's such a special time for me when um, my dad actually built the, our first store in Regina and it was a time that he and I got to spend a lot of really special time together. And it was a milestone moment in our business too, opening our first retail when really a lot of um, things changed for Hilberg and Burke. It's when we realized that retail gave us this incredible opportunity to connect to customers in a different way to tell our brand story in a really special way. And it changed the whole trajectory of our company. So that was definitely a milestone moment. Um, getting the first commission opportunity to make a piece of jewelry for the queen was absolutely one of the biggest highlights. Um, the first time she wore our piece was a tremendous highlight. And, you know, along the way, um, building out a team, uh, seeing, having the opportunity, I think, as the founder and, and entrepreneur who started this, to step back at different points along the way has also been equally challenging, but also rewarding. Because ultimately, to me, that's what my job is. It's, you know, I birthed this, but like a child, you have to eventually let it go. And so having kind of seen the company go through a lot of iterations, but get to the place where it is now, where it is just, it's thriving. And we have so many incredible people. Um, I'm so proud of that, you know, of, of this milestone of really, it's, it's, it's got its own wings now. And, and in so many ways, is like just kind of, um, entering a new phase of growth and and rebirth, which is super exciting. Um, so yeah, so some of the some of the milestones are are you know new store openings or people wearing the product, but but for me a big part of the milestone too is just um, realizing a dream and and kind of having the company come into its own in a sense. That's amazing. Okay, so we're talking Queen, like the Queen, right? The queen, yeah, the actual queen of England. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I did see that in your bio on your website, but wow, like I am just trying to sit in that for a moment of what that must have been like. What does it mean to be commissioned to, like how did the queen find you to have you 
create a piece of jewelry custom for her. Can you explain that? How does that even happen, Rachel? Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. So we were actually commissioned by the Lieutenant Governor of Saskatchewan when she was newly appointed. Uh, They knew that she was going to have an appointment with the Queen in the next year, and they wanted to take a special Saskatchewan gift. And they wanted the gift to represent um, and honor the work that she's done for um, people all over the world throughout the time that she has reigned as the Queen. And so they chose Hilberg and Burke as um, a special gift that they could tell the story of the work that Hilberg and Burke does through through our company um, when they presented it to her. So that's how the commission came to be. And, you know, throughout the process of deciding what we were going to design for her for the first commission and making that it didn't quite feel real. Um, although we were so thrilled with the opportunity, it wasn't until it was actually presented and we knew that it was in our hands that it started to sink in, that it was really real. And then even when that happened, you know, I still had a hard time imagining seeing her wear it. And so when the, the day came, it was actually kind of a funny story. We were all, um, it was, we were still in 2169 McIntyre Street, the flagship um, store in Regina, where we, that's where really the company kind of um, kicked off from back in 2008. So we were still mostly working out of that building. And CBC had called to get um, my reaction to the queen wearing the brooch. And I didn't know that she had worn it yet. So um, the woman who had answered the phone at the time covered the the earpiece and or the mouthpiece. And she had kind of yelled across the office, like, Rachel, it's CBC looking for your reaction to the queen wearing the brooch. And I just sort of like, like my heart stopped and I looked up and everyone in the office just ran to my, my office. And um, I flipped open my computer and we quickly Googled images and all of these beautiful images of her popped up wearing it. And that is a moment I will never forget. It was truly this, it felt like I was living a dream at that moment. And we all started crying and hugging and high-fiving. And that was kind of a, a moment where I knew nothing would ever be the same in the company. And it, it truly wasn't. I am just smiling from ear to ear, like envisioning this. You are such an inspiration. And I think this story really is so powerful because there's a lot of people that are sitting in their houses right now with this business idea, hustling, trying to make it all happen, trying to make things come together. And maybe they think that they're in too small a community and that it's not possible to create an impact that could end up, you know, showing up across the world on the queen, for goodness sakes. Like... Rachel, you're amazing. Like, thank you for sharing that story. That's so incredible and so truly inspiring. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And, you know, I think it's maybe also good to to back up and sort of share where I was six months before that happened, because you're right. There are so many people, I think, that um, are unsure if their idea is feasible, if they can do it from where they live, if it's the right time, you know, as entrepreneurs, we are constantly bombarded with um, negative self-talk because it truly is so hard to make a business successful. So, you know, just months, six months before that opportunity to commission a piece of jewelry for the queen came into play, um, the business was at such a different point. I had just um, gone through having my father diagnosed with ALS. 
um, I was pregnant with uh, my husband and I's first child together. Um, her business was really struggling because I had to step back from the business to, to spend as much time as I could with my dad because that's truly what I wanted to prioritize at that period in my life. Because of that, our business was struggling financially and there wasn't really strong leadership in it. And for, for so many reasons, it sort of felt like it could fail. Um, because of everything that was going on in my life. And so, you know, I think throughout the challenges that you go through, you have to also keep hope that, you know, you can make it through that. And it was just really such a fortunate opportunity we had to create that piece of jewelry for the queen. Um, but, you know, there are opportunities if you, if you truly pursue doing something that's, um, that you believe in, and if you find a way to make it special and different from, from your competitors, the world does stop and take notice. And sometimes it takes a lot of hard work and a while, but eventually somebody will take notice. Everything happens in due time. And thank you for doing that backtrack on it, because I think sometimes that's what goes on for people. We're just like trying so hard and things are falling apart and you're questioning yourself. So to know that just before that big moment happened and something that you'll remember for the rest of your life, you were maybe not in that place only months before that is is really helpful. So thank you for sharing that part of the story. Now you are a mom. I know you're a mom of three and somehow you're managing at all like i don't know the ages of your children but you've been growing a company and been able to transfer some of it any advice you'd give to working moms out there that are trying to juggle working now homeschooling as well and you know children <laughs> it first of all i just want to say it is really really hard what is going on right now in the world and especially hard on on women and moms we're really in an impossible situation. So I think the first thing is just to give yourself some slack. You know, we live in this, um, this Instagram perfect world where you kind of feel like you have to have it all together. But let me tell you, I don't have it all together and nobody that I know does either. So I think, you know, it's just starting by having grace um, for ourselves and just appreciation for, you know, what we're able to accomplish in the day, but the things that we couldn't accomplish or didn't go as as well as maybe we hoped that we just um, are easy on ourselves, especially during this very, very challenging time. And yeah, I just think that it's just, it's such a, it's such a challenging situation we're in right now. And for moms who are trying to work or trying to um, run a business from their home with their kids at home and homeschool, it's, it's really, there's no, there's no easy way to do this. It's really an impossible situation. And I think we're all trying to get through this the best that we can. Um, and we have to sort of start by just being gentle on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I, um, I've had this experience of running my business from home for, well, I've been an entrepreneur for 26 years and I've had children for 25 of that. And I didn't really realize that what I was experiencing was so hard. Thankfully, they would go to school and I would have some time to focus. And that's the real big difference that's going on right now. But you do actually, you know, the grace, the grace part of your advice there is so valuable to just cut yourself some slack. But the other thing, too, is you will come up with a system. And women are just amazing how they can manage so many things at the same time. So you'll figure it out and you know, you'll get through it and somehow you will come out on the other side okay, just like you have before. 
Now, may I ask you as far as time goes, I think a lot of women, especially women, I mean, maybe, maybe there's men out there that feel the same way. It can be difficult to say no. And I think perhaps in building a business, it's necessary to say no sometimes so that you are staying on course with, you know, either building and scaling your business or in just being effective with your time and growing your brand. Can you talk a little bit about how you use your values to, I guess, manage saying no? Yeah, I think that once you do have an opportunity to articulate values, it provides an extra level of clarity about how you are able to say no. And I think that really is a, a valuable driver because it can be very easy to say yes to everything in the beginning, especially when it comes to um, creating revenue and you're in the early days, you want to just take on as much as you can to ensure that you can pay your bills next month. Um, But you'll get to a point, and I I remember this pretty clearly myself in our own company, you get to a point where you now have built um, sustainable revenue um, to a point where you are able to start saying no. And at that point, it's really critical to step back and to start um, really being clear with um, what is aligned to your values and and ensure that you are taking on the right things. Okay, great. And two more spinoff questions off of that. So for the person who is just in the process of really establishing the, the values that they have that guide their company, can you just give us a few of your values? Like just maybe it'll be a thought starter for other people. Sure. So we worked on our values um, maybe about four years ago, four or five years ago at H&B, and they are um, be brave, love life, uh, own it, never settle, and um, one team. And they truly kind of come back to how I approach life and what my view is on on my life and starting business. And they really guide everything we do at Hilberg and Burke as well. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that that kind of goes home with you as well. So as a mom managing it all, what advice would you offer specifically to other busy moms in COVID and beyond? Well, it, it is kind of an impossibility to manage it all. So I think that it, it does come back to making choices, making choices with how you spend your time, making choices in your business, um, not being afraid to ask for help to, you know, to really surround yourself with great people. And, um, you know, I heard it said recently that if you can find uh, systems to create one great day for yourself, then you can replicate that day and eventually you can create a great life for yourself. So I think it's about stepping back. And I have a friend of mine, Candace Fiesel, who has this, this incredible planner called My Life Planner. And it takes you through, how do you set up an amazing day? Like, what is a perfect day for you? And I have loved using this planner to really stop and think about how do I create a, a great day for myself? And if you can create that and create boundaries boundaries around that day, then you can create an amazing week, a month, and eventually all of those days lead up to a great life. Mm, that's great. Oh, Candace is such a, a brilliant person and incredible business person. And I mean, her life planner is amazing. I'm actually going to have to reach out to her and have her as a guest very soon. <laughs> Now, having said that, I know you spend some of your time on supporting other female entrepreneurs. May I ask why you do that? Well, I guess partially because I was there. And so I'm passionate for for giving back and helping women because I know how hard those early days are. And um, I know how much it helped me to have incredible mentors and women who supported me in early days. 
that's part of it. Uh, the other part of it is I truly believe that our economy and the future prosperity of our country needs women entrepreneurs. They need the unique perspective that women bring to business and innovation and, and product development and manufacturing. Um, there's something very special about um, the way women approach business, the way that women do business. And so I'm just really passionate about um, having more female entrepreneurs and specifically, how do we get more female entrepreneurs to scale up in our country? Mm -hmm. And I know you've partnered with WESC, I believe, something to do with a partnership or how you're being an ambassador to support more female entrepreneurs. I sit on an advisory committee that WESC has recently um, put together that is providing recommendations to the provincial government. So I know I have a really close relationship with that organization because I uh, was an employee there many, many years ago. And also because of my, my passion for, um, for female entrepreneurs and for supporting female entrepreneurs to scale. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I, that's actually where I met you. I remember just being in awe and I love everything that WESC stands for and I've taken in their events myself and would completely endorse everything that they offer to female entrepreneurs. And thank you for being that ambassador for us. Now, is there any other final advice on this topic? I feel like I've had a, a session here just to pick your brain and I'm so grateful that you gave your time, not only to me, but to every person in the listening audience. Is there any final advice that you'd like to offer? Something that I'll maybe leave the listeners with is, um, you know, over the years, there's, there have been moments where I have really questioned, you know, do I have the, the knowledge, the experience, the skills to, to do this, to, um, to scale the business uh, that I believe that I can. And I kind of come back to the belief that, um, you know, you every single person has a very unique perspective on the world and nobody shares your specific perspective from the way that you're brought up and your life experiences and the things that you know and the people that you've surrounded yourself with it's a fingerprint it's unique to you so in the times that you question you know do i have what it takes just remember that your perspective and the perspective that you bring to your product or your business or your service is a hundred percent unique to you and it is very special and that's what makes it um different from everybody else and so and the world needs your unique perspective um on those products or services so i just would encourage people that if you are passionate about doing something about bringing a product or service to the world just um give it a try go for it and don't be afraid that you need a degree or an mba or experience that you might not have to do it um, believe in yourself and surround yourself with amazing people who can help you do it and and always believe in that unique perspective and what it can bring to the world oh i really love that it's so encouraging i hope that you will all take that and really allow that in and just take it to heart so I have three closing questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one being, what does leadership mean to you? So to me, leadership is being able to find a, a nice balance between strategy and, and taking a great idea and somehow making it successful and also compassion. So the two don't always necessarily go hand in hand in traditional business, but I think that we are entering this, this new dimension of business where it is a competitive advantage as a leader to truly lean into both areas of, of, of those competencies. And so that's always been important to me. And I think that um, 
more and more, it's becoming incredibly important to businesses globally. Oh, wow. And thank you for leading the way for us, Rachel, because you really have through this podcast and beyond. Um, another closing question is, what is a book? So I know there's many books out there. You've probably read many yourself. You've listened to lots of podcasts. I'd like to just narrow people into one book and one podcast that you feel is so valuable and it impacted you so much that everyone must know about them. Okay, well, I did have a long list, but I'll choose one. Um, I would say probably one of the most impactful books that I ever read. It was when I was starting my business. It's a book called The E-Myth um, by Michael Gerber. And it really just talks about um, the core tenets behind scaling your business and how you really need to have the ability to step back from the day-to-day -day in order to be able to build a business. Um, there's so many great insights in that book that are have really been fundamental to me realizing how to scale my business over the years and um oh there's a lot of good podcasts now i'm gonna i'm gonna have a hard time narrowing it down okay i'm gonna choose um one by the name of carrie doll carrie doll was a reporter in edmonton and she started a podcast called the inner circle and some of her podcasts are around um entrepreneurship and business and some of them aren't they're just um just fabulous people but every single episode of her podcast that i've listened to it has been fabulous and so I love Carrie. She's an amazing woman. And I really, really enjoyed listening to her podcast. So that might be a less known one that people haven't heard about that I really love. Okay, checking it out myself. Sounds like someone I definitely want to listen to and learn from. Thank you. Okay, final question of the whole thing. Based on all of the highs and all of the lows, everything that you've been through in your life, if you could leave people with only one piece of advice, what would it be? It would just be to like have fun throughout all of it. You know, what I've learned is that um, you can't take it too seriously because in the end, you know, the, we're, we're all going to die, unfortunately. So you have to have fun with your life and it, it can be so, um, it can be so easy to sort of forget that and to get drugged down with the challenging things that happen in business, especially what's going on right now. You gotta remember to laugh. You have to remember to have fun and, and just enjoy the ride. So if you're not enjoying the ride, I think you gotta check yourself and find a way to, to really just like um, embrace fun and embrace joy and really enjoy it. Brilliant advice. And I like, I feel like I want to applaud wildly right now, but of course that isn't the space to do that. So <laughs> Rachel, thank you again for taking the time to share with us today. Thank you for your mentorship, for your leadership, and just for showing up as who you are. We all appreciate you. We wish you much continued success and have an absolutely amazing day and all the best to you. It's been my pleasure and the same to you. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.